This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys all back for another jam-packed show. Again, this is the time of year for it. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune covers the Timberwolves will be with me here in just a little bit to talk through a few different storylines for the team. One of them uh, being the Anthony Edwards situation. He apologized at Media Day on Monday for homophobic remarks he made on a video that surfaced earlier this month. Chris and I will get into that as well as the team's prospects going forward this season. A season of anticipation after the Rudy Gobert trade, after Tim Connolly added to the basketball operations staff. So good discussion with Chris Hine about all of that, and I hope you will enjoy that here in just a little bit. Some interesting NFL stuff as well, including some Vikings stuff. Won't get in, won't get too deep on that because we'll go deeper on that on Friday with Ben Gessling from London. Um, he is out there for uh, obviously the Vikings versus Saints game on Sunday. Um, could be an NFL game here still this weekend. That's an interesting story. We'll get to that, um, and we will get to some Minnesota United talk. Um, Emmanuel Reynoso signing a contract extension but also that team fighting for its playoff life. So we'll get into that at the end of the show as well. But first, what did I miss? You know, I got to admit to a couple of different things about the Aaron Judge pursuit of history. Um, one, I care very little about the prospect of him breaking the American League home run record. That, to me... Uh, doesn't mean a whole lot at all. I, that's not to say he's not having an amazing, amazing season. Um, but this is uh, Major League Baseball, not an Amer- American League uh, records that I care about. I, I don't really know why we care too much about a single league record. I know there's some steroid stuff thrown into there. I, I know that it's the Yankees, so people care about that more. But we do not uh, treasure National Football Conference records. Uh, we don't treasure... Um, NBA Western Conference records. I do not care uh, that Aaron Judge has just tied the American League record with 61 home runs, that coming with a home run finally on Wednesday. What I do, however, care a lot more about is Aaron Judge and his pursuit of the Triple Crown. That, to me, is a much more um, interesting storyline than breaking any sort of you know, half of baseball record. And that, to me, is a fascinating storyline because he is way clear of everybody else, obviously, in home runs and runs batted in. Right now, he is obviously leading uh, leading the major leagues in home runs by uh, a, a ton right now, right? Home runs in the American League, 61 to 38 over Mike Trout. So I think he's probably going to win the home run race. Um, he's got 130 runs batted in. Next closest, Jose Ramirez with 119. Um, so there's that. And I do care about it, by the way, that it's just the league right now because that is how um, that is how we determine Triple Crowns. It is by league. Um, records, by the way, we don't. We, we declare those by the entirety of the sport. But batting average now tied at 313 with Luis Arias. From the Twins, Arise had two hits on Wednesday. Judge, obviously, uh, keeping pace as well in in his game with with the home run. So 
Both of them at 313 with just a handful of games left to play. And the Triple Crown is more impressive to me and is the better storyline for me for a couple of reasons. One, uh, there's only been one Triple Crown since 1967. Yastrzemski, Carl Yastrzemski did it for the Boston Red Sox back in 1967. Miguel Cabrera did it for the Tigers 10 years ago when he hit 330 with 44 home runs, 139 RBIs. You know, you win the Triple Crown, you have had a season that even is more special, I think, than just a year where one single record has been set. So that, to me, would be the, the ultimate measure of just how great Aaron Judge's season is. Even if he, if he falls a point or two short in the batting title, this will still be an amazing historic season for the ages. But if he wins the Triple Crown with the kind of numbers that he is putting up, that, to me, will be... Um, that to me will put him into the history books more than breaking, you know, half of baseball um, record um, in the American League. And it's it's an interesting storyline from the Twins standpoint, right? Because that's like one of the only interesting things left in the rest of this season. I guess one of them being now, can the Twins finish in second place? They did beat the White Sox again last night. Um, I think they're even now in the standings. Both of those teams, I believe, seventy six and seventy nine. But if Arias can win the batting title, again, that's kind of, you know, it doesn't matter a whole lot in the bigger picture of things. But winning a batting title puts you into different company than if you, say, finish second or third in the batting race. Nobody really remembers who finishes second or third in the batting race. And I think the batting title has been diminished a little bit over the years as, you know, the value of singles has changed as people have gone more for power than average but I think there is still something to be said for hitting for a high average those are tough outs those are guys that you do not want to face in certain situations Luis Arias was up higher in that uh, in the average earlier this year he's fallen off but really still having an amazing season so if Arias can like salvage one thing from this twin season get them an individual award while denying Aaron Judge of the hated Yankees the ability to win the Triple Crown, that would be maybe one tiny thing that you could take from this twin season, not making up at all for the what could only be politely turned as a collapse. They were tied for first place in the division earlier this month, and they're now 11 games out. That is a collapse of epic proportions. But if they could win this one little thing, maybe you would feel a tiny bit better at the end of the season or Aaron Judge is going to have a place in history even beyond what he's already accomplished right now. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. It is good to have Chris Hine back on Daily Delivery. It's been a minute for someone who was on a lot um, last season and even the season before talking Timberwolves. Um, Chris, how you doing? I'm good. The weather is such that I can now break out my five timers jacket and, it, and wear it around town. It is, it is. It's nice. It's crisp fall weather. I kind of like this weather. I don't know how much you like the uh, the fall weather but it's it's a pretty nice time to be in minnesota right now and it's cool I, I, in the morning but nice in the afternoon i like i like the fall weather i just wish fall wasn't two weeks and we were right in into winter again <laughs> here in minnesota that's that's my only complaint you'll never get used to it you'll never get used to it and that's okay <laughs> that's okay um media day for the timberwolves chris was 
Monday. Um, it's been an eventful off season and the last piece of the eventfulness of off of that off season was, was one that, um, nobody would have wanted it to be a part of talking about Anthony Edwards, um, his social media account a few weeks ago, his homophobic remarks, and then the subsequent, you know, kind of reaction fallout, his, um, his reaction to that. And, you know, Monday was really the first time we heard from him. I know he made an apology in writing on social media. Right. And, but now this is the first time he was actually being be able to ask, be asked about it and kind of put words to it that weren't necessarily scripted. Um, I guess maybe right off, right off the bat, what uh, you, you've been covering this story for a few weeks um, what, uh, what, what takeaways do we have before I maybe roll into some of the stuff that he said on Monday? Yeah. So, you know, I think this, you know, this apology, this moment was what a lot of fans, um, that I spoke with, uh, for a story I did last week and, you know, people within the Wolf organization were, were waiting to see for these two weeks. Cause you know, like you said, he had apologized on Twitter and then for two weeks, it was nothing right either, you know, aside from a statement from Tim Connolly from the team or himself. So, you know, there was just radio silence on this for two weeks. Um, so it was a, it was a, you know, a moment that I think a lot of people were, were waiting to see on, on Monday afternoon. Yeah. And so what he said Monday, I'll, I'll read some of the quotes from your story. And you know, he said, Man, I respect everybody. I know what I posted was immature, and I'm sorry for that. If I hurt anyone, I'm working with the team. I'm sorry to all the Minnesota fans, and I'm working to be better. And I believe it was you who asked a follow-up to that and you know, asked him if he recognized how hurtful his words were you know, to members of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, um, transgender community said, yeah, for sure. Like I said, I'm sorry for what I said in my actions. I'm looking to get better. Now there's more stuff he said later on that I'll get to, but um, Chris, in, in, I'm not going to ask you what you thought of those comments. You, you cover Anthony Edwards in a different way than I do. I was, I thought it was, I thought it was good that he addressed it, that they didn't just come in and say, Nope, we, we, we took care of that. But I, I only was kind of, I was not knocked over with the, uh, with the uh, sincerity or the, uh, the, the uh, upshot of his words. It felt like he still got some, some work to do in this area to, to make, to make some amends um, from what you've seen and, and heard and read since then, what, uh, what, what other takeaways might there be from, from how that day transpired? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a good, a good place to go for perspective on this um, is the website outsports.com, which is a, a, an outlet that has, covered uh lgbtq issues in sports for you know a few decades at this point um and so they've seen incidents like this come and go they've seen how teams and leagues have responded and how players have responded to this and uh it, it sort of i think that they were looking for maybe a little more from edwards as well that i think you know that he didn't necessarily address his apology to the lgbtq community that he kind of apologized if I, you know, the, if I offended everyone, right. If I heard anyone, um, apology, yeah. yeah, that, that, that sort of apology. Um, they'd like to hear maybe more direct um, apology. And I think I heard from some fans on social media about the same thing as well. Um, just in general, in some of my replies and, and direct messages. Um, so, you know, but that being said, you know, he, 
it's also an awkward position for, for a 21 year old to be in as well. Um, You know, especially somebody who's, who's been used to having, you know, nothing but really positive coverage and social media interactions and and things like that. Um, But I also think that no matter how the apology came off on Monday, there's another significant step for Edwards to kind of repair the damage that he's done in the eyes of the LGBTQ community. And that is kind of following up on whatever he said Monday. And he did say he was willing to take it quote, as far as, as it, as he needs to take it to, to show that he's sincere. And so, you know, whether that means like uh, working within the LGBTQ community, I asked a question about, you know, would you call out homophobic language in a locker room setting sure. if you heard a teammate using it? He said he would. Um, you know, I think you can use your social media platform to to call out that same language, you know, the same platform that you use to, to put down a group of people you can use to elevate them. Um, that that's something that you can do yeah. um, as well. So I think that there's still some actions and, and things that he needs to take regardless of, of what he said Monday that are ultimately going to show how sincere that apology was or was not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think the two things that you had written before media day were, were quite good and, and powerful. Uh, the, the Cheryl, the piece, piece with Cheryl Reeve talking to her about just the damage that gets done when, things like this are said by someone, especially with a platform like Edwards, when he said, look what the world done came to um, when seeing a, a group of men on a sidewalk referring to one as queer in a derogatory way. I mean, that's, again, I, I feel like Reeve w- was in a, in a great place to kind of speak to the, the damage that that kind of thing can do. And maybe that's not something Edwards can quite come to terms with yet. It might take a little bit of time for him to realize just what that meant to say that. And, and I think that's part of, that's part of this process, right? It's, it's maybe hearing from different perspectives, um, whether it be from the community or within the Timberwolves organization as a whole, you know, Cheryl Reef works in the same building as he does. And, and right. there are many people in that building. Um, you know, who, who might be able to help educate him. Um, you know, there's no shortage of, of avenues for, for him and the team to pursue when it comes to that. It's just it's understanding what the impact is of that. And I thought, you know, Cheryl uh, put it very well, you know, and, you know, just from, from my personal standpoint, um, um, somebody who struggled with their sexuality for a long time as well, where, you know, you, those kind of words cause you to, to stay in the closet. Sure. And, and, you know, make you think if you if you're ever able to to come out and live your life openly um, because you might hear some hurtful words um, and, and that and words can have an effect on you. Some people might say, oh, it's only words. What does it matter? Words do matter. Words matter a lot. Um, so that's, you know, I thought Cheryl really, really crystallized. I think what a lot of people were thinking and feeling and, and I was you know very grateful, um, you know, about a couple days after that, maybe five days after that, when I wrote the piece, quoting a a lot of LGBTQ Timberwolves fans, I was uh, very uh, overwhelmed, not maybe not overwhelmed, but just very pleasantly surprised at uh, how, how much response I got when I kind of put out a call for people to, to comment. And, you know, one thing that I wanted to make clear was if I'm going to quote you in the piece, I want to be able to use your full name. Right. And so people and people were willing to say what they truly felt um, and put their names by it in the newspaper. 
And that, you know, I did not take that for granted that people were willing to step up and, and have their voice be heard in a situation like that. And to your point before, um, as we kind of move on to uh, basketball subjects here with with the Timberwolves, I mean, I, I don't want to see this just kind of fade. It's obviously not the only story. And, you know, I don't think we need to ask Anthony Edwards about this every day, but we do need to see him putting in the work and, you know, being part of this maturing process. And yes, he's only 21. He was, you know, he's very still new to this league, even new to being an adult um, in a lot of ways. But um, we don't want to just, just see this story be like, okay, we talked about it and now, uh, now we're moving on and, and, and nothing else to see here. No, it's, it's, it's not, it's right. You're, like you said, it's not something that we're going to be asking about him about every day, but it's something that you're going to have to circle back on every so often at yes. the very least. Um, you know, you know, like, like you said, what, th- you said this, what's been the follow through on that? Right. Well, you're, you're going to have to see what the follow through is. You know, the Timberwolves have a pride night every year. That's going to be, you know, uh, when they announce what the, that exact date is, that could be a, a time where this comes back up, um, a time where the organization can really do some outreach to to some of its fans who have been affected by this as well. So it's like you said, it's something that after practice, after a game, we're not going to be asking about him every day, but, but every so often it, it, it will need to be checked in on to see how he's following up on some of the things that he said on Monday, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, this all comes at a time when the Wolves have, you know, a lot of positive momentum going from the off season. Obviously we've talked through a lot of what's gone on there, the Rudy Gobert trade, the addition of Tim Connolly to oversee basketball operations, even some of the, uh, you know, veteran kind of fringe moves they've made to bolster their roster, especially after losing some depth, a lot of depth with the Gobert trade, uh, you know, outside of the the Edwards story being a, a big piece of what we heard on Monday. Anything else stand out to you so far early, you know, from Monday or, or early in camp as we kind of think about where this team is at heading into, you know, a, a regular season opener just a few weeks away? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the bench unfolds. You know, I, you know, we, we've given a lot of attention to the starting five, how Colbert is going to fit with everybody. But, you know, this this bench unit that they have, I think, is really interesting and intriguing. And, you know, just hearing some of the guys talk on Monday, uh, Austin Rivers, for instance, uh, came in and was just like, I'm at a point in my career. I don't care about stats anymore. You know, you know, he wasn't really sure where he was going to end up this summer and definitely just wants to to bring a defensive intensity and mindset uh, to this team. You know, Patrick Beverly brought that last year, right? Yep. Um, uh, and, and really set a tone. So I think Austin Rivers can be somebody who carries over maybe that that intensity and and attitude on the defensive end of the floor that that maybe you might be missing with a pat that have gone um you know eric pascal was very candid um he's on a two-way deal um and, but basically said he was thinking about retiring from basketball in the off season it was he said it was very tough for him to see free agency go by with uh you know his phone not really ringing too much and seeing other people get deals and was you know said he was going through some tough some tough moments um, but friends throughout the league, like Donovan Mitchell and others, uh, really encouraged him to keep at it. And, you know, Minnesota had a spot for him here and, and, you know, he's, he's back at it. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see this, this, this bench unit and just who's getting minutes, you know, who's not, 
uh, and how it all meshes together in those moments of the game. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up the bench because I feel like, you know, I think their bench was their depth to a certain degree last year became an asset at times. They had that stretch where I feel like the bench was really carrying them, but you know, whether it's just kind of where the franchise has been these last few years, or, you know, in a sense of now that they look like a team that's going to contend, especially with Gobert here there, I feel like they're able to sign the kinds of bench players that you need to really be that kind of top four team. It got you, know, like I said, guys like Austin, guys like Kyle Anderson, who, you know, are not splashy players, but they are the kind of solid veterans that you just look at the good teams and you're like, man, even when the bench comes in, this guy just like this guy just got six points in a row. This they're just you they know their role and they know what they do well on the court. And they're just kind of dependable guys. And, and not that the Wolves haven't ever had guys like that, but I feel like this is a different kind of bench that they're able to put together now that they are at a different point in the organizational's kind of traje- trajectory. Yeah, and I think their success last year and the upward trajectory of the franchise really helps with that. I think yes. you know, a guy like a guy like Kyle Anderson, we talked with him about this on Monday. You know, he was obviously on Memphis last year, and he saw, you know, just how electric the building was during the playoffs. He he saw how competitive the team was. Uh, you know, how great a series it was. And so when he was, you know, calling down options for his free agency, uh, the Wolves were at or near the top of the list. And so when they, when they made the offer, he, he accepted because you could, you could see where this team is headed and that attracts a different kind of free agency. Maybe you get some of these more proven veteran guys yep. to come and sign here. And that's where I think they're at right now. Um, Kyle Anderson, I think could fit really well uh, coming off the bench, especially defensively when you know either Carl or Rudy has to come out of the game um, and he can kind of fill in that four spot. Uh, on the defensive end of the floor, I think that's a really, really key signing for them. And they made that signing before they even traded for Gobert. That's right. He was, you know, he, he was, he, they signed him, I think a day or two before it all, it all went down. So, you know, I, I think it's, it, there's a, no shortage, <laughs> no shortage of storylines coming into this training camp. Yeah, let's hit on uh, it. As, as, as opposed to some other years on, on the beat here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least positive storylines too. I mean, let's, let's run through a couple more before we're done. I mean, obviously the big one, one of the big ones is Gobert and Towns. Towns, you know, moving to the four in a lot of ways, just because of Gobert, you know, occupying that, that five spot, how they coexist on the floor. And they're, they're we're not going to see that right away, at least because, you know, Gobert has been, playing uh, overseas and towns now has a non COVID illness, at least for a few days here. Um, you know, a, a minor setback, you want those guys to get chemistry quick, but I imagine they will sooner rather than later. Um, I, I guess I'm guessing Rudy is, a, they're all saying the right things at this point too, but I, I, I think people are still eager to see how that all fits together. 100%. Um, you know, the thing that I've gone back to all summer when I've thought about that is, you know, they all, they, they both do different things very well. And so that's how I, I think they can fit together. You know, Gobert, what he does defensively around the rim is not what Carl does best defensively. Carl's more comfortable when he's maybe, you know, out on, out on top on a screen and, and kind of scrambling around like they played last year. On offense, obviously, Carl is very dynamic, um, whereas Rudy uh, does something really well, the pick and roll that Carl necessarily doesn't or, or you know, hasn't done at, a, at an elite level in his, in his career. So 
that's what I come back to with those two is that each of them does something well that the other one doesn't necessarily do well. So I think that's how it could work because I think the pieces just kind of fit together in that way. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. And, and you know, another good a good piece of this all is D'Angelo Russell. It almost feels like he's, I think the forgotten man is the wrong way to look at it, but because there was trade speculation in the offseason, like is he still going to be here? He's going into that contract year. Um, the Gobert trade overshadows everything. The Towns extension, you've got Edwards, and they're looking at him, you know, making a leap here in year three. But Russell's still a pretty important player on this team. He's a max guy still, you know, even going into a contract year. And for better or for worse last year, when he was good, the Wolves were winning. And when he wasn't good, the Wolves were losing. How do, how do you think he fits into all this right now? Well, well you just you just kind of said it. It's like if, if D'Lo was playing and, and clicking, this team can can be another step higher than, than it otherwise would because we saw him win some games last year with his clutch shooting down the stretch. He was especially early in the season. We saw what happened in the playing game when he played really well, when Carl was was battling foul trouble and, and inefficiency that night. D'Lo was the <laughs> the main reason why they, they won that yeah. game. Um, so when he's on, this team is at another level. And, and, you know, when he's not, as you saw in the Memphis series, it can be really, really difficult for them to operate sometimes. Him and Gobert on the pick and roll, I think, is, is the one thing to watch, just how they, how they feed off each other, how they play off each other. Um, Rudy said yesterday after his first practice, like there were times where I didn't realize that he had seen me open. And I didn't think, it was, I didn't think the ball would be coming to me. Yeah. And the ball was the ball was finding him in the, in the first practice, um, and I tweeted that quote out there. And, and you know, preseason preseason hype right. might be my most might be my most liked tweet of the preseason. Right, right. <laughs> got, got got people a little excited out there. Um, so that's definitely something to watch. You know what happens with his contract. He's saying all the right things. Um, you know, coming into a contract year that you know, he'll get paid at the end of the season, you know, or whatever. Um, so that doesn't seem to be an issue with him coming into the year, any sort of unhappiness over the fact that he doesn't have a new contract. Um, so he, I thought he handled that, that fairly well on Monday when we were asking about it. Well, I'm sure there will be plenty more to follow up on as camp goes on. These things go fast. I mean, we're in the middle of football season, so to speak right now, but, uh, these, these, uh, these wolves will start playing. The wild start playing before we know it, and it's exci- it's an exciting year. I mean, I, I feel like this team is set up to win fifty games, um, maybe a little bit more, and and keep that kind of going for for years to come. But they're also the wolves, so let's see it before we before we get too ahead of ourselves. That's right. It's going to be an eventful year, one way or the other. Always is. Well, Chris, I will be covering it. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciated those perspectives from Chris Hine, as I always do. He does a great job covering the team, does a great job asking the questions that need to be asked. So please make sure to follow his coverage all season long, Star Tribune, startribune.com, because he will have you covered all the way. Let's finish with a couple other things. NFL is interesting right now. Um, you know, circumstances unfortunately, uh, being uh, weather-related and hurricane-related. But if, if, the, uh, if, the, uh, if the game between, the, uh, between Kansas City and Tampa Bay 
needs to end up being moved out of Tampa Bay because of Hurricane Ian. Um, that would end up making it in U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. That has been determined that that game would be moved here if it needs to be moved. Obviously, you know, logistically, um, <laughs> the Vikings are not here this weekend. They're in London. So what what, a, what an odd set of, set of circumstances it would be if there was an NFL game here on Sunday, but not the Vikings, because that would be obviously... You know the the Vikings being out in London, so we will check in on that as as the week goes on. Hopefully, it does not have to move because that would mean the uh, you know the whatever's going on with with the hurricane and the path of the hurricane was not as bad as it looks right now. But we will see about that, and there could be you know a pretty interesting marquee NFL matchup in this town moved here just you know a matter of days before the game starts. You do not typically obviously see that in the NFL so we will be watching that storyline as well and we'll be watching the storyline of who exactly is going to play for the Vikings in London um Andrew Kramer and I talked a lot on the Access Vikings podcast that came out Wednesday you know Dalvin Cook banged up right now Zadarius Smith banged up right now uh, you know both of those guys key players for the Vikings Neither of those two practiced on Wednesday, nor did fullback C.J. Ham or cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. So Darius Smith can't go. That's a big one for the Vikings because I feel like the depth behind Dalvin Cook with Alexander Madison and some of the rest of those guys is better than the depth on the defensive line or what is now outside linebacker. So we will see. Uh, we will see how that all plays out for the Vikings, but that's one to watch this weekend as the Vikings prepare to play the Saints in London. And like I said, more on that game on Friday's show with uh, Ben Gessling live from London. Let's finish with the cooler. Emmanuel Reynoso, Minnesota United star, signs a three-year contract extension option for 2026 that should keep him here for quite some time. He is one of those rare players who has lived up to exactly the hype. He's been great ever since he arrived. Is having a fantastic season this year. So great thing for the Loons. Uh, more importantly for them right now, hoping that he has a good final two games and they can hang on to their playoffs by what, which once seemed like a you know, kind of foregone conclusion that they were going to at least make the postseason finish in the top seven. They are clinging to that last number seven spot with two matches left. They've been on this international break for a couple weeks, but that ends this weekend when they play San Jose. Now, the good thing about that is San Jose is last in the Western Conference standing, so a chance to maybe you know pick up some ground, secure some spots, uh, some secure their place right now but they're only up on Real Salt Lake by two points with those two matches left could still you know pass the LA Galaxy Portland other teams they could catch but what once seemed like a foregone conclusion is now rather precarious heading into Saturday's match against San Jose so we'll watch that one as well that will do it for today like I said Ben Gessling coming up on Friday show as well as a little bit talk about the butt punt and uh, <laughs> special teams play. Got a chance to talk to a couple Vikings players about that uh, that amusing, but ultimately maybe not so amusing for special teams players play in the Miami Buffalo game where a punt went right off a teammate's butt for a safety. So we'll talk to them about that and maybe have a little bit of fun, but also some serious talk about that on Friday as well. Thanks for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again tomorrow.